Hello, everyone. Welcome to yet another episode of Mike and Amit Talk Tech. I am Amit Joshi. I'm here with my friend and colleague, Mike Wade. And today, we are going to be talking about the second topic in our series of tech that has just perhaps not lived up to its hype, that has perhaps just not lived up to its expectation. I hope you've heard our previous episode on quantum computing. Today, we talk about 3D printing. So, Mike, I mean, I don't know how many of our viewers and how many of our listeners here remember this, but a few years ago, 10, 12 years ago, this thing was supposed to completely change our planet, right? By now, we were supposed to be printing our own food and printing our own clothes and using a 3D printer to make the house of our dreams. This was supposed to be making artificial limbs at scale, completely customized. And yet today, when I look at it, not only can I not do those things, I'm looking at the total market of 3D printing. And this is something like 15 billion US dollars a year, which quite frankly, is fairly disappointing. Where did we go wrong? Is it, is it, was this, was this just the fact that this was a technology that was hyped too much at the time? Or do you still think it's a little too early to call on this technology? What are your thoughts, Mike? Certainly, I mean, 3D printing, there was a massive hype about this. You know, just the concept of printing something in 3D was, was a kind of a really new concept. And, you know, I remember back in 2013, so, so 10 years ago now, I bought my first 3D printer and, and I brought it into the, to the office at IMD. And, you know, I was definitely the coolest guy on the floor, uh, briefly, very, very briefly uh, with this thing. Because, you know, people were really interested. You know, they could understand what printing in 2D meant. They really got that. But the 3D printing, it was just a really foreign concept. And people had, a, had trouble getting their, getting their kind of heads around it. So they would come and I would print, you know, chess pieces and I'd print plastic jewelry and napkin holders and nameplates and and give them all away. And everybody was super thrilled about this. You know, of course it lasted about a week, right? And then the honeymoon ended and then people come to my office and, <laughs> and not ask for things. They would, they would, they would tell me, could you please turn it off? <laughs> it was loud, you know, making a lot of noise. It's screeching and, and, sounds. Know, yeah. Really? Yeah. It was really annoying. I couldn't get any work done in there. And, you know, it would take like five hours to print a napkin holder. And, you know, half the time it would break down, the, the nozzles would get clogged. It was, it really wasn't very good. Uh, it was pretty finicky. There was very, very few designs. It was hard to program and there's all kinds of issues with it. Uh, and, and in fact, you know, that product was called a Cubify. Some, some of the listeners may, may remember this product. I think they went out of business a couple of years later. And so the promise was great. I mean, at that time in 2013, we thought, wow, this is really really going to change the world, you know, in so many ways, what well, we can maybe talk about those ways. But as you say, I mean, you know, today just hasn't happened. You know, it would have not been crazy to predict 10 years ago that most households, you know, middle-class households would have a 3D printer somewhere. But today, I mean, I can't even buy one. You know, I go to my electronics store, I can't even buy one. They're, they're not for sale. You know, they're, they're still very, very much a niche item being used for some very, very specific things, but it has not hit the big time. And probably there's a number of good reasons for that. Mm. 
what do you think? What what might be some of the reasons that we are talking about why this uh, this actually panned out the way it did? You know, I, I I'm with you, right? I mean, I was also so excited about these things. I thought that if nothing else, I mean, for sure, we would have some of these in our homes to replace our regular printers, because of course, a 3D printer can also do a 2D print, and then it can do 3D as well. But think about creating prototypes for small and medium businesses. At the very least, in a B2B kind of an application, I thought we would we, we would actually have something like this. Is something happening with them at all today? Do they even exist in the real world? Are, are, are some companies using them? They do exist and they and they are being used. And I'll give you some examples in a minute, but let's step back a second. You know, what is 3D printing for the for those listeners? Not, we're still really not sure exactly what it is and how it works. Uh, there's another, I, I think probably a, a, a better way to describe it, and that's called additive manufacturing. And what happens basically with, with 3D printing or additive manufacturing is that is that things are built in layers. So, you know, essentially there's a nozzle and some kind of material comes out of a nozzle and it creates a layer and then it creates another layer on top of that and another one on top of that and so forth. And, and sort of bit by bit, slowly, it will build up and create an object. And, and that's how, how 3D printing uh, works. This is compared with subtractive manufacturers where you start with a block of something, you might have a block of metal or a block of wood, and then you carve something out of it. That's subtractive manufacturing. So this is additive. Layer by layer by layer builds up the product. And, and, and the material that's used, there's different materials. You know, my old Cubify 3D printer is using some kind of a, a plastic. And in fact, most 3D printers still today use some form of plastic. Uh, different types of plastics. There's nylon, polyurethane. There's different types of resins, polymers. And, and these plastics have different properties. You can have them in different colors. Some of them are flexible. Some of them are very rigid. Some are quite strong. And essentially get melted. Uh, they heat it up, melted, put in a nozzle, you know, sprayed out, and then they cool down into layers and they build whatever. Uh, these days, you can also have other materials. There are 3D printers using metal, different types of metal, stainless steel, brass, copper. To build things, you also have experimental machines using things like carbon fiber, uh, wood frag fragments, even now experiments with organic matter. So building whatever, I mean, building an organ, uh, 3D right. printing, you know, capillary skin. I mean, all kinds of things. It's all really in the in, in the research domain at the moment, but there, there's a lot of experiments, 3D printing food, you know. So that's kind of how it works. The machines range from the size of a laptop computer to, you know, there's one on the space station, which is mm -hmm. about the size of a small human. <laughs> right. right. So and they use they, that to print replacement parts, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's a use case, which you could immediately see the value of, you know, the, if something breaks up on the International Space Station, it's a non-trivial effort to get a replacement up there. Exactly. But if you could just print it, that makes it a lot easier. So, and, and there's very, very big ones. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's examples today of uh, printing houses. Now they don't get printed in one go, right? <laughs> you know, get the bricks we printed and whatever, but quite big, quite big machines to do that. And, and so there are some practical use cases, right? And, and I think those practical use cases tend to fall in certain categories that are most used today, like anything that's a very weird shape because you can 3D print pretty much any shape. 
even shapes that are very, very difficult to produce using traditional, you know, inject molding techniques and other techniques. So, so small run, you know, not mass produced because of the cost, because it it is, it's quite expensive, customized, and we'll give some examples in a minute, uh, objects, Uh, prototyping, it's used for prototyping quite a lot. So instead of producing a physical prototype of something, you can just, you know, 3D print that prototype from a CAD design, for example. And so there's quite a lot of promise for this, but the actual, you know, applications in use today are relatively small and relatively niche. Right. So what what is the bottleneck? Is it the cost of material, the reason, the polymers, the material that's too high? Is it the fact that we just haven't been able to create enough software for the different types of designs that can be printed? Is it that the machine itself is uh, is not very robust and, and not very trustworthy? What is it? Because I would love, I would love to make a ginger print, a gingerbread house out of uh, you know cookies or something like that for kids. That would be fun. But I mean, there's no way I can do this today, right? No, there's 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 a number of reasons why you're not seeing them in more widespread use. Cost is one of them. They're still relatively expensive. They don't. They're not mass produced. I mean, they they don't have the economies of scale and scope today. So they are relatively costly. Also, maintenance can be costly. So there's, there's also a speed element. They tend to be relatively slow. I mean, a lot slower than other manufacturing techniques, right? Any large scale manufacturing production line injection molding, which is often compared with 3D printing because you're using plastics, it's a lot faster to do that. I think, you know, complexity is, is as you said, the the software, the modeling is not, you know, developed as fast as maybe some people predicted it would be. Material li- limitations also are significant. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, plastic and then some metals, but there's a real limit to the types of materials that can be used today in, in 3D printing. So if it's not you know, it's difficult to 3D print clothes because, you know, you can't really create the materials to do that. And anyway, you already have machines that do that pretty well. So there's some fairly significant practical issues. But but I think there's also this question of people haven't really seen the, the very obvious use cases, right? right? Because we find other ways to do most things that 3D printers do. You know, we there are some like, you know, there's some good practical examples like airline parts. So, so airline parts, mm. weight is a, is a very, very big deal. Uh, it's a big factor. And you can 3D print objects that are structurally very, very strong uh, with lots of holes in them, which you can't, you can't manufacture in, an, in a traditional way. You just cannot create a mold with a hole in the middle. Or you could, but then you have to create it in 10 different pieces and bolt right. the pieces together, which structurally is less robust. So you could, there are certain applications like that where a 3D printed airline part has the, has the strength, the flexibility, and, and the weight, which is better than, than any other method. So there are a few, you know, in, uh, tooth implants, you know, everybody's teeth look slightly different. So you can, you can get a, a very, very precise printed out tooth implant crown veneer that's happening today there's companies like straumann that are doing that uh, hearing aids also i mean everybody's ear is a little bit different so you could you could you could 3d print precisely a hearing aid that fits exactly into your ear uh, sonova a company that you that you know very well is doing that prosthetics uh, insoles for shoes you know custom jewelry i mean there are these use cases 
that where 3D printing works really well, but they're niche, right? They're niche. So mainstream, we haven't seen it yet. Uh, there is some promise for this. We're moving in that direction. Uh, construction, there are a number of pilots now, projects where companies are 3D printing uh, construction materials so you could build houses and other buildings much more quickly in a very standardized way. There's a bridge in Amsterdam called the MX3D Bridge. Interesting. Uh, which is 3D printed. It's 4,500 kilograms. <laughs> it's huge. Oh. It's over one of the canals. And, you know, it, it was 3D printed, uh, wholly, completely 3D printed in steel over, over six months, right? So there's these interesting use cases. There's a, there's a, there's a house being built in Heidelberg in Germany, which is 55 mm. meters long. So we're starting to see these, these examples of kind of more uh, widespread practical use, but it's still very niche. So that's what I was thinking, right? I mean, these these are cool. I mean, just, just as promised, a lot of these use cases, when you hear them, you're like, man, that is absolutely cool. On the flip side, we've given this technology close to give or take 10 or 15 years now. I mean, if you really think about it in the context of some other technology, it's not really comparable. But for example, what happens to typical software in, in 10 or 15 years? What's happened to AI in 10 or 15 years? What's happened to even another technology which has been relatively underwhelming, which is self-driving in 10, 15 years, right? Most, most commonly available cars today have some aspect of self-driving built in. It could just be parallel parking, but they already have some aspects of this or lane change and things like that. Will we ever see something at scale in 3D printing? Is there a future for this technology? Do you still think this thing is going to revolutionize at least certain aspects of our life and of our economy, or you think this this thing is this thing is a bust? No, no, I don't think it's a bust because I think there's an X factor here. There's an X. Mm -hmm. So we we are definitely going to see improvements in you know uh, the materials. Right. Uh, they're going to get better, and, and you know there's going to be the the sort of the normal learning curve of technology development, which is going to make them you know cheaper and, and more useful. Uh, but I think the X, there's an X factor, here. and the X factor is the sustainability and environmental benefits that you get from 3D printing. And so this was, I don't think 10 years ago, a, a major factor, people weren't talking about it that much. Absolutely. But just think about it, think about it. Uh, you know, there's so many ways that 3D printing could potentially improve the environment, right? I mean, reduction of waste. If, if you 3D, you think about additive versus sub, subtractive manufacturing, in additive manufacturing, there's no waste, zero waste, right? There's new, zero waste, which is obviously good uh, for the environment. You can put these machines, you could put them in factories and buildings close to consumption. So production can be moved close to consumption. So you don't need all the transportation that you do today in, in today's global value chain. Of course, you do need to transfer the materials, but you can do that in a much more cost-effective way at scale. And then the production can happen very, very close to uh, a consumption. You can use standardized materials. You can use recycled materials. A lot of the plastics now used in 3D printing are recycled plastics or plastics that are plant-based. Plastics right. plant-based plastics, for whatever reason, tend to work pretty well in, in 3D printing uh, applications. So you can think about the benefits in terms of you know, scope one, scope two, and scope three. So the, very you know, cool. scope one, the materials exactly themselves are less damaging. You, it, it potentially could use less power. You could put it close to a power source. 
right? Which is helping with, with scope two. And then scope three, you don't have all the, the, the logistics and, and all the other elements you have with traditional uh, manufacturing. So this is fascinating because I was just thinking in terms of circular economy as well, could it also perhaps be possible to take a part, 3D printed part that has, for example, broken down, melt it again, and just remake that part in the right uh, format or something like that? I suspect folks are already working on some, some version of this, no? That is already happening. Yeah, that's already happened. A lot of research on that. If a plastic object that's 3D printed breaks, you could just melt it down again. I mean, this is essentially what's happening in the process. The, this plastic is getting melted and getting you know extruded in through a nozzle and that could happen again so you could have a lot more uh, recycling which could help with the circular economy so this is what probably for the moment gets me most excited about 3d printing the potential positive impact on the environment there you have it folks 3d printing it's not as dead as we all think it is and this is an amazing point that mike just made which is that here is a technology which has been around 10, 15 years. It's kind of pottering along. It's really, really on the fringes as of now. But as our needs change, as our requirements change, as the way we think about how we consume, how we protect the planets change, we suddenly realize that lo and behold, there already exists a technology we've invented, which can perhaps be of use for us. Hope all of you enjoyed this episode of Mike and Amit Talk Tech. Don't forget to tune in to our next episode where we tackle yet another technology. And this one has been around even longer than 3D printing, which is nuclear. Thank you very much for listening. And if you like more information, please do visit ind.org.